Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Alexa Gantos. Alexa is the founder of Trash Talk Studio, a creative ecolab and podcast, as well as a co-founder of Litter Rally, a mobile trash pickup dance party that connects people to environmental action through fun. She is a creative strategist and writer focused on amplifying ecological consciousness. She creates experiences, builds communities, and designs strategies for humans and companies that are ready to participate in a more inspiring story of themselves and the world. Here we go. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? By now, you all know that therapy is an important part of my own self-care. It has truly been a game-changer in every aspect of my life, including achieving goals. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy platform worldwide. They are changing the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to a licensed therapist. BetterHelp makes professional therapy available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. You can start communicating within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. And I have a special offer for Consciously Clueless listeners. Visit BetterHelp.com Carly and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. By using this code, you get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash C-A-R-L-Y. Take care of yourself today. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me this morning. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's such an honor. Thank you. Of course. I'm uh, really glad that we connected through the Asa Collective pod swap. Um, it's a really cool place to um, find other people to chat with that are like-minded. I know. Such an incredible community. I couldn't agree more. Yes, absolutely. So the podcast is called Consciously Clueless, and that came from this place of me realizing this journey that we are on is just, you know, clueless to consciousness, everything in between. So I like to start with asking guests where you're at right now in this moment on the spectrum from clueless to conscious. Where where do you feel like you're at? That's such a wonderful question. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I'm just like, I've been doing environmental and consciousness work for years in many different Mm -hmm. capacities. And I feel like I always keep coming back Mm -hmm. to this idea of there's absolutely no arrival. You know, like any time that you think that you learn something new, you're always reminded how much there is still to learn. Yes. I'm in a place of feeling very, very humbled by Mm -hmm. the process. Mm. That is beautiful. There is no actual arrival. That is, um, that is, that is like making my, my mind shift a little bit. I'm like, okay, there's no arrival. What does that mean? But I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I really like to, 
and consider myself a forever student. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The more I've been in the path of a consciousness or whatever we want to call it, the more I realize it's an endless process of always, always learning. Yes, absolutely. So you are the founder of Trash Talk Studio, which is a creative eco lab and podcast. Tell us what that means. <laughs> Wonderful. So what it means is that I, I think what will be helpful is to give you a little bit of background about myself. Yes, please, please. I, I come from the world of strategic design and systems. So what this okay. means is that I've worked a lot on branding and communication mm. strategies. I do a lot of consulting for companies. In, okay. And it really comes from this place that is a bridge between the worlds of business and the world of creativity. So basically, how do you take all of these creative skill sets and apply it to a business problem? Mm -hmm. And for me, what I realized is that the other aspect of that that is incredibly important in the world, particularly in the world uh, that we are in now, is that if we begin to integrate the ecological component to mm -hmm. all of these three spheres, then we can actually create something pretty wonderful. I, I really believe that businesses move very fast. You know, they innovate yeah. very, very quickly. And when we're introducing environmental consciousness into business practices, mm -hmm. in a way in which we're communicating it and visualizing it in a way that's attractive for people, mm -hmm. we have an incredible, incredible opportunity to create a lot of impact at a very large scale. Mm -hmm. So when I say a creative eco lab, um, that's exactly what I mean. Trash Talk Studio has really become an umbrella and a studio for me to also offer consulting services for companies. So and, cons consulting on how to be more environmentally conscious? Yes, I would, I would say there's normally two types of clients that I have. It's either the ones that are very early stage in the process and they're mm -hmm. thinking about how do I become more environmentally conscious? So okay. that's one. And then there's the others, which are, they are on the journey, they're doing the thing, <laughs> they have their environmental strategies in place, but they have no idea how to communicate it in a way that makes sense to, to their audience right. and to people. Um, uh, and particularly in the context of the world of cancel culture, a lot of mm -hmm. companies are really terrified of putting anything out there of being called out for greenwashing or whatnot, you know? So there, there's yeah. an important part of accountability to, to, be, to, to be mentioned. Um, Absolutely. But I think it's also an incredible opportunity for us to, to be telling the environmental story in so many different ways for so many different mm. people, you know, like there, there's no one single bullet, not, not one single story, not one single solution. Yeah, right. So it becomes a really fun creative practice to, to begin to think like, how can we actually take the same concept and tell this story in a thousand different ways so that a thousand different people can hear it? Right. And then a thousand different people will pick up on whatever makes sense to them and they are connected to whatever story perks their ears up. Exactly. Exactly. And then that will put them on their own journey on, on the spectrum. 
Right. Absolutely. So where did, speaking of journey, where did this interest, this passion for um, making the environment a better place, where did that stem from for you? So honestly, I find this to be such a hard question. I get asked this a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I'm sorry. No, no, no worries. No worries. But yeah, I I can never pinpoint one single moment. I do remember as a, as a kid, I remember being in first grade and doing this project about the animals that were, that were in danger of extinction. Mm. And I did this project about a snow leopard. And like, the more I learned about the snow leopard, like, I just remember being heartbroken as a little seven-year-old kid, Mm. (laughs) that this beautiful, beautiful animal might be gone. Um, So I think that that was just like, I think my first interaction, I remember giving my mom these like very impassioned speeches. And I'm like, why? Why do we live in this way? Um, yeah. and I had a period in between where like obviously a bunch of other things became more important, like, you know, like kissing boys and going to the parties and all the things. Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, and then later in life, I, I think it was one moment when I was in my apartment in New York, taking out the trash and just like having this very, very visceral moment of like, if I'm creating this much trash in a week and like there's mm. 9 million people in this city and like they're all doing exactly the same thing, you know, like what is this about, you know, like what yeah. are we doing with this? And then like the more I learned about how, how honestly, like what a myth recycling is, <laughs> yes. the more mesmerized I was by the whole thing. And it just like catapulted me in, in this whole journey where, I went very, very deep with the trash piece and the zero waste piece for for about two years, starting from that point Um, and then began to explore other other branches. So did it feel like for me when I became vegan in particular, that felt like the domino that kind of pushed all the other dominoes down with it and um, started my journey in learning about the environment and learning about health and did, is that kind of how that feels for you in terms of learning about like recycling and trash? It kind of pushed you to learn about all these other things or make make changes in other ways. Absolutely, it's so interesting that you that you mentioned um, veganism and like the journey through food. Mm-hmm. I think both trash and food are really interesting gateways into environment mm. because they're so tangible. Yes, and they're also so interconnected. You know, when I started going on this zero waste journey and like exploring a little bit more what ended up happening is that by default because I wasn't buying plastic I also wasn't buying processed foods right and it completely transformed my relationship to my body yes to food and cooking as well in general so it was just like this very mind-blowing moment of really beginning to see in a very visceral way uh, how interconnected the world is and how interwoven all of these systems are. Yeah, that's the thing too, mentioning systems that for me, it it happened to be veganism, but I think there's a lot of different entrance points for people to want to be learning about these things, but it made me look at the systematic issues more than just the individual. Because when I first started learning about these things, I thought 
if I accidentally used a plastic straw ever again in my life, I was a failure. <laughs> you know, I really was worried that I had to do everything perfectly right. Um, but then I started learning more about the systematic issues and how to address those as well. Does that feel like your experience? Absolutely. I mean, I, I always think it's it's such a combination of both. Like, I think it's so important to make that note about not falling into the trap of perfectionism because it's definitely not about that Mm -hmm. but what I do think about uh, taking these like individual environmental actions although Mm -hmm. like I'm very conscious of like the bigger bigger systemic issues for me it kind of became a a ritual it's a way of reminding myself of what's important and what I'm creating in the world in all of these bigger ways, you know? So it's like almost the interconnection between like how the small actions create mm-hmm. the foundation for the bigger change. Um, I, I also see that as one of the most incredible uh, consciousness shifts that I've ever had, you know, because it's one thing to intellectualize um, all of these environmental and social issues and know the right language and being able to like speak about them. But when mm-hmm. you're actually living them and embodying them, mm-hmm. some, something really shifts. Yeah, I like the word ritual mm-hmm. for that. I really like the way you said that. That hit me that making it a ritual of a part of my day is is bringing that mindfulness piece in, which is I know what you um, write about for Mind Body Green a lot as well, correct? Correct, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I, I also really love the word ritual. Um, I, going back to the first piece about humility that we were talking mm-hmm. about, I find that when we introduce these rituals into our lives, they also become an opportunity for us to put things into perspective. You know, I think we we live in a world that's incredibly human centered, you know, like everything is designed for humans to the scale of humans. And sometimes we forget we're coexisting with so many other species and in this world that is just so much bigger than us. And I think these little moments of ritual really like help ground us back, you know, and like whether that's taking a moment before a meal to acknowledge that everything here came from the earth and from labor and the soil and the bees and everything that is in a single plate, you know, it's just a little bit, uh, yeah, it it just like reintroduces awe and wonder to to life in a a fun way. So um, I read about, I read some of your pieces and about the intersection between mindfulness and nature. So can you talk a little bit more about like why that, why bring mindfulness into trash talk studio or talking about trash? Like what, what does that do for us? Absolutely. So I, even before trash talk studio was called trash talk studio or had any form or shape, it it was Mm -hmm. an investigation for me. Mm. And the, the question that I was asking myself was, in what ways does our relationship to nature shape the way that we understand and create the world around us? And I explored this from many, many different angles. Like I I was reading uh, economics and philosophy and theology and went down all 
sorts of like really fun rabbit holes. And after all of that research, and I was also holding a lot of workshops, like really trying to understand the people's relationship to nature and like the places where they had blockages around taking environmental action and all of these things. And what, what I realized at the end of all of this research is that it ever, everything, absolutely everything starts with presence and mm. paying attention. Mm. And it was just like this really mind boggling moment where it's like, like, I had really dissected all of these like very, very complex theories and like, yeah, very intensive research and like yet the answer that I got was just so simple it's funny how that happens Mm -hmm. yeah it really it really is Um, and it's so it's so simple when said but it's very difficult to practice (laughs) can you say more about that yes well I would say we we live in a world that's very fast that demands that we move at a very very rapid pace like Particularly, I, I grew up in very big cities. I grew up in Mexico City and I lived in New York for a really long time, spent a lot of time in Tokyo. <laughs> so like they're wow. very metropolitan, you know, like very everything's happening now and more and more so with social media, you know, and like the access to rapid information that we have at yeah. our fingertips. Um, where there's just so many distractions. Yeah. And becoming increasingly more and more difficult to slow down and be present with the world around us, like the physical world around us, you know, like how often do we stop and notice our own breath, Mm. you know, and like the quality of our breath or how often do we stop to like smell the flowers or contemplate beautiful writing on. And I really think it's those moments that are the ones that connect us not only to ourselves, but to our relationship to the world around us. You know, if, if we're always living in our heads, you know, like running around like crazy, then there's no moment to stop and reflect and, and really integrate what's, a, what's happening to the world around us. We're, we're disconnected from, from our emotions. We're disconnected from our senses. Having that mindfulness and that connection, for me at least, is also something that allows me to keep going even when it feels tough or even when it feels like, how are we going to, how are we going to get out of this? How are we going to make it better? That mindfulness and that presence for me makes it so I don't spin out and become too anxious. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I I think it serves the purpose of mm, calming our minds and allowing us to process really strong emotions. I think when you're very deep in environmental work, I think we're all familiar with having gone through periods of very intense grief. Yes. And really connecting to mindfulness can really allow us to process those emotions in a very healthy way where they become fuel for what we're creating in the world for our projects. Um, And then the other side of it is that I think it allows us to connect to the beauty of it as well. Mm. Mm. That's really, really, really beautiful. So 
you also are the co-founder of something called Litter Rally, a mobile trash pickup dance party. That sounds like my jam. Please tell us more about that. <laughs> it is exactly as fun as it sounds, if not. <laughs> I have to say. Um, so yeah, th- this was something that I started with two of, my, uh, two of my best friends in New York City a few years back, pre-pandemic times, mm-hmm. <laughs> when mm-hmm. we still gather freely. And yeah. It really came about because we cared so deeply about the environment, yet had a lot of friends who weren't necessarily as, as passionate. And we had been experimenting with like a bunch of different things putting together here things here and there but really the purpose was like how do we connect our friends to the things that we care about and right we had this moment where we had our organized a, a plogging event which is a um, picking up trash while jogging really not <laughs> my favorite activity ever <laughs> but we were like we were experimenting and um, our other friend who's a dj came with his li- little speakers and was playing music and then we suddenly started to realize that people like started dancing a little bit here and there and then we just had this moment where the three of us looked at each other and we were like this is it you know like our friends yeah. love dancing they love music they love being with friends and community why not just like blend all of this it's just like crazy enough that it might work and and it did we we had our first event and had over 50 people in our in our first new york event oh wow yeah and, and then from there it just started growing very organically because store owners and restaurant owners and just like people who were passing by would see us and be like <laughs> what is going on and then like once they understood they would just like smile or like burst out laughing so you're dancing in the streets of new york picking up trash yes amazing we had a lot of instances where you could see that people like were getting a little bit mad about like the noise and the chaos and then they realized (laughs) that we were picking up trash and they started smiling so it was like a, a very a very endearing New York moment. Did it take off and start to um, happen in other places? Yes. So th- this is a really interesting one. We actually had a whole global expansion plan um, planned out for April of 2020. Okay. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that completely completely fell through because of the pandemic. Uh, however, what we started realizing is that people in a lot of different places around the world, they started reaching out to us and they were like, I want to do this in my city, in my community, for my friends, you know, in, in these like smaller pockets of groups. Yeah. So we actually went ahead and pivoted the entire organization in that moment and designed a whole playbook and onboarding package so that wow. any anyone anywhere can basically throw a literally and we also had um, one of my friends and co-founders was in Bali during the pandemic so he started activating there uh, we had another 
incredible friend who, who was part of the New York crew who moved to, to LA. So he started activating there. So we've had a lot of little pop-up events in, in different places throughout the world. Um, and I'm really excited once we're a little bit more in the clear and, and mm-hmm. out of COVID to really start reactivating that big time because it, it really is such a such a fun activation and such a great way to connect people to the environment in a way that's also joyous which I think is so important particularly nowadays yeah was were those events ever connected to any sort of like I'm, I'm imagining like learning or any kind of component of of teaching them the why this matters yes absolutely every every single event started with an educational component uh, where we would have meditations guest speakers uh, we did all sorts of really really fun educational pieces uh, that were also pretty interactive that just sounds like really fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it really it really is um, yeah we had a blast and and what i love about it the most is that creating that kind of experience also allows people to to have their own embodied experience mm. of, of a lot of these things. You know, it was very shocking to people to go around the city and realize the types of trash that they see in the street because they could start to make a very direct link between like, oh, you know, like I had that same toothbrush. <laughs> now yeah. I'm picking up, you know, or like, oh, I used to use that deodorant brand. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's a good point. It, it becomes a really interesting thing where like it, I, I don't need to stand up and, and tell them, you know, they, they like realize it by themselves, which is also so much more powerful than someone standing up and preaching like, this is good, this is bad. Yeah, you can, you can see the connection for yourself. Mm-hmm. This podcast is sponsored by Terraseed. TerraSeed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry, empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive, vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win, win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at TerraSeed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. This podcast is supported by She Thinks. Thinks are washable, reusable period underwear. They look and feel just like normal underwear, but better. Every pair of Thinx is made with their signature innovative technology for the ultimate period protection. Their breathable products are safely made with cotton, nylon, and elastin for a little stretch. I am seriously obsessed with my Thinx underwear. They have changed my periods. Try them yourself or get someone the best gift ever with a sweet little discount code. Go to shethinks.com slash Carly for $10 off your order today. Again, that's shethinks.com forward slash C-A-R-L-Y for $10 off your order. Try Thinks today. 
So being environmentally conscious and trying to make these changes and working to to do this, I mean, this is your this is your job and your life. Um, has that ever been a problem for like any of your relationships or other people in your life that don't get it? I'm I'm imagining, or I'm I'm kind of thinking back to my own experience of my own awakening and and becoming vegan and then becoming really interested in the environment. And some people thought I was um, losing my mind or didn't really want to talk about it. Or yeah, I'm just wondering like what your experience is like with the people in your life who maybe aren't on board. Um, Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, obviously, sometimes, particularly when I'm back home in Mexico, I, it becomes more difficult with the like not eating meat and all of these things, like a little bit of tension with my parents, but I really like my philosophy is very much like live and let live. Mm. I very early on decided like, it's not my job to try to convince anyone else. (laughs) about anything so I'm just like I do my thing you know I'm like in my own lane living my life doing my thing and then the people that are curious will come up and ask me questions and like all these things and like I'll answer but I really never I, I never talk about it to anyone that that doesn't that isn't interested or or doesn't want to listen or isn't quite there yet um I think it's super super important to to respect other people's processes as well, you know, and, you know, I, I really do think uh, it's so important to also get out of the binary of like wrong versus right. You know, yeah. I, I think everyone is doing their things and like as much as I personally believe that this is a lifestyle I want to pursue and I will do everything that I can to contribute to to a, creating a, a healthier world and, and environment. I also understand that some people are just not ready to face that grief, you know, right. or, or to even be with, with the heaviness that, that that entails, you know? So it's, it's a delicate one. It's an interesting one as well. But yeah, yeah I definitely yeah. find that uh, leading by example is the best and, and knowing that, uh, I, Byron Katie says something very interesting where it's like my business, your business and God's business. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in the beginning of my, my journey into this kind of world, I definitely took the approach of, um, the angry vegan who wanted to tell everyone what they should be eating and doing. And surprisingly, that didn't really get me far And when I got through that and just started living my life is when people wanted to talk to me more and were more interested in thinking, hey, I could do that. How do you do that? Help help me. Mm, I love that. And I I think it's such an important part of the process, you know, and it's super, super interesting when those things start happening and someone who you thought would like never comes and is like, what's this about? Yes, those are the best Uh moments. Uh thinking back to the moment that you had in New York where you were like looking at your trash and you're like, I have to make, I have to make a change. What is, what is, what am I doing here? Did that also um, help you transition to being plant-based or were you before, or what's your experience been with that? So I've been, I've been very plant-based 
uh, ever since I was about 16. So oh, okay. See, this was like way, 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 way back. And it actually wasn't for environmental reasons initially, um, just like very on, on a very like personal level, my body doesn't do very well with meat, mm. particularly red meat. Like it, mm-hmm. it just feels very, very heavy on my system. And I just realized that if I stopped eating it, like my energy was completely different. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how I felt about my intro to being plant-based was totally for health reasons. And, and I couldn't handle dairy, obviously, because I'm not a, a baby cow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and, and to be completely transparent, it's like, I'm not uh, fully vegan or even like strictly vegetarian. Like I'm very plant-based. Mm-hmm because of joy but once in a while like I'll have a craving for a hamburger and I'll go eat it mm-hmm. you know and I also think like going back to this idea of perfectionism like I think it's it's important to normalize that you know of like <laughs> I'll, I'll be vegetarian for months at a time and like once in a while you know like I obviously I'm very conscious about it being the most like grass fed natural thing that one can imagine. But um, I do think it's, it's important to normalize a, exactly the same as like zero waste, like doing things imperfectly sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, my, my experience has been, you know, different than everybody else's experience and, and honoring that. And, um, I think also being kind of like honest about those moments, like you're saying, like being totally transparent and, you know, um, it might be indulgent or it might just be what you need. And, and, um, even if it's, you know, for me, I'm like, well, the grass fed thing doesn't really matter, you know, like it, it is what it is. But knowing that you're like, that's a choice I'm making, then that's and being okay with that. Absolutely. And a book that I would really recommend for anyone who's curious about exploring this for, for themselves is um, The Ovnorous Dilemma by Michael Pollan. Mm-hmm. I really like his approach where he takes you through his experiences of these different meals, like without making any conclusions, but just like giving you all the facts. Mm-hmm. That that was a super insightful book for me as, as I was exploring all of this. So you said that when you visit your parents and um, there's a little bit of, you know, like you don't really eat meat and is that um, hard before like cultural reasons or where does that push back from them come from? Do you think? I think it's very cultural. I also think it's very uh, generational. Yes. Yes. I think um, different, different generations have different understandings of food and what's healthy. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've had that thought as I, you know, I want I want my parents to be healthier and I want them to listen to me. And, and, um, I also have to remember that like that generational difference is real and what we were taught and what they were taught is, is like a very different school of thought and meeting, meeting each other where we're at. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've definitely like gone on a back and forth, but I realized like I get so annoyed when they try to change my diet. (laughs) 
Mm. Okay, then I'm not going to do the same to you because I know how it feels on the other side as well. Oh, that's a good reminder for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, have you had enough protein? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what are, what are exciting things you're working on right now that you want to share with the audience? Um, I mean, I, I have to be very, very honest right now. My work has taken me in a little bit of a different direction, but it's hmm. something I'm very excited about because I do think there will be a really interesting intersection and in, I've actually been working in the blockchain space for oh. a while. Yes. Uh, doing doing organizational design but what I am really interested about this whole space is like really thinking about decentralized organizations and decentralized communities okay what is that what does that mean tell me more <laughs> so well, when we think normally of how an organization operates it's very hierarchical you know I, I think of a, a pyramid you right. know, there is a very clear leader and a very clear structure of decision making and it's it's very um, bought, uh, from the top down mm-hmm. and what's happening with blockchain technology and crypto and a lot of these communities is that they are a very very co-creative process okay. you know they're, they're organized via discord and then some like there's so many developers yeah. that are because they're just simply interested in, in the technology and the world that they're creating that will give their time away for free or propose a project or create something for a particular a blockchain or, or crypto foundation. So there's multiple, multiple people all over the world co-creating the technology <laughs> at, the, at the same time, which is absolutely wild. It's like a completely different way of working than you know there's an incredible amount of knowledge sharing as well between all of these um, different blockchain technologies and foundations you know which is very different from the the very competitive business landscape that we're used to yeah that kind of capitalist top-down system (laughs) that we're all entrenched in Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so it's a really interesting space to be exploring right now from, from an organizational design and from a community perspective, where a lot of the questions that are arising is like, how do we, is it possible <laughs> for us to organize ourselves in a decentralized matter where like our ideas of leadership are completely changing, you know, where there can be multiple leaders simultaneously but then like if that happens like how do you create something that's that's efficient and like actually moving forward towards the vision you know and like staying true to to certain values so yeah that is so fascinating I'm so glad this came up because I'm a novice I'm just getting into like bitcoin and learning and I have a friend who's been helping me and I'm like I don't know what this means but one of the things I've been trying to look into but Um, there seems to be a lot of, from what I can see, and maybe you can guide me here back and forth on what is the environmental impact of these things? And like, how do we make choices within that space to be lessening our impact? I don't even know if that question makes sense. It does. It does make sense. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> I think uh, most people are probably aware that crypto has a really, really large environmental cost, uh, particularly the first generation of crypto, which was just really, really intensive energy-wise and in terms of storing information. Fortunately, in this new wave of crypto, there's a lot of technology developments that are making the technology way, way lighter. Okay. There's starting to be a lot of really interesting alternatives environmentally. And I think as the technology continues to develop, mm-hmm. it's something that will continue evolving. Um, yeah. Is that something that people, if they're like, like, okay, I'm interested in, in this world, is there a way to make choices or to know what is having less of an environmental impact versus another? I mean, I, I would say definitely do your research. You know, there's there's a lot of protocols that have some really interesting initiatives. Uh, there's protocols like NIR and Cardano um, that are really forward thinking when it comes to the environment and making sure that they're carbon neutral and, and really uh, neutralizing their impact as best as, as possible. If not even um, tying it to some interesting um soil regeneration or mm. uh, tree protection projects as well. So th- there's a lot of that that's starting to emerge in this space as well. So are you hoping to kind of sit at that intersection of this, this world and environmentalism? So pot- potentially, I, I don't, I don't uh, necessarily know if I want to continue working in, in the blockchain space al- at all. Okay. I see some really interesting possibilities. I also see that it's a technology that's still very young. Right. And there's a lot of things that still need to be grounded. There's a lot happening in the world of ideas that isn't necessarily yet reflected in in the 3D physical world. Right, <laughs> so right. We, we will have to continue seeing how it goes. However, what's really exciting to me is really understanding these, these new ways of working and organizing, you know, and like thinking about decentralized organizations, decentralized communities. I think it could be really powerful to apply a lot of those models to other communities and other organizations, you know, like whether they're blockchain or not. Mm-hmm. I definitely see a lot of opportunity here in in really reconsidering the ways in which we in which we work and collaborate together. I think it opens up a lot of possibilities. And I'm not entirely sure like what it looks like right now, but it's definitely something that I'm very excited about continuing to explore. I love that. I love that. Um so is there anything that you are like dying to get off your chest or I haven't given you space for um, that you want to share with with the listeners? No, not not at all. Nothing that comes to mind. <laughs> this has been lovely. Thank you, Carly. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people get a hold of you? I know they're going to want to follow along and look you up after this. Beautiful. So definitely tune into the podcast mm-hmm. trash talk studio and it's trash talk with a star and then studio i'm sure you will link it to the show notes yes absolutely you can also find me on instagram at alexa gantus very particular spelling g-a-n-t-o-u-s <laughs> i will link that in the show notes as well 
Amazing. Thank you so much, Carly. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If that's on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. You can be read on air as a review of the week. If you haven't yet, head over to patreon.com slash consciouslycarly. Check out the community over there. There's plant-based living advice. There's yoga videos, meditations, self-care stuff, tarot card of the week. It's just really fun. You should check it out. Head over to my website, consciouslycarly.com, and check out the self-love reset course. Maybe it's that time of the year where you feel like you could use a little bit of a boost in your self-care routine. Well, I got you. Until next time.